Well, if you've ever walked into a dead church, quote unquote, it's a bummer. Because it looks like everybody who's there is just kind of there, but zoned out and not really passionate. And it could be a frustrating experience to see no one with passion, with life. How does a church end up at that place? And how can we remedy it so that we're alive again? We're going to find out that remedy today as we look at the church of Sardis, the dead church, on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. What was going on in Sardis? What, what was the issue for the Christian community in Sardis that was uh, spoken of as dead by Jesus Christ? I think the issue is this. I think that for a lot of them, they did not want to confess Jesus publicly. And a lot of them may have either stayed away from the church or they were playing church because they were trying to protect themselves. Now, uh, to speak about our humanity... We all know that we're human. Uh, We don't all know what we're going to do in a pressure moment, do we? We all think that we would not deny Christ or we would do the right thing if, you know, we had pressure from a company or pressure from a friend or we were somewhere where maybe, you know, there was a lot at risk. We don't know. Maybe you've blown up before. Maybe you, you have been in a situation where you should have spoke up. How many of you have regrets in the past where, a discussion's going on in the family or the company and you knew that you should have said something and you kept quiet. Why? Because we, some of us, suffer from non rockabotis Right? We don't, sometimes we say, I don't know if I want to rock the boat. That's what I was talking about. That's, that's the Latin, non rockabotis I don't know if I want to rock the boat because have you ever been here before? I don't want to get into it with this person again. I haven't even taken the first bite of my spaghetti and meatballs. And already they're going to, you know, Christianity and politics. Oh, it could get ugly. Wait until we have at least a bite of the cheesecake and then maybe, right? We have our reasons. And the Christians in Sardis were dealing with something that was pretty serious. Because if you claim to be a Christian and somebody found out, well... You could pay the ultimate price. And Jesus says in verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. See the idea of received and heard there? Often in uh, some of the sections of Scripture where we have uh, what's called creeds of the church within the text, Paul would say, That which I received, I deliver to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He'll talk about the gospel. When Paul leads us in the idea of communion from 1 Corinthians 11, he says, that which I received, I delivered to you. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. Well, here, the idea of the language here of received and heard, it was received, it was heard, and I think this, this is gospel language here, and keep it. You've heard, you've received the gospel, you've heard it, it's been proclaimed to you, and keep it, and notice, once again, we see a church in the book of Revelation 
that is called upon, look at verse 3, middle of the verse, to repent. It is true that the, the seven churches, I think five of the churches are called to some sort of repentance or a remedy to their problem. It is true that Christians do need to repent. Now, not repent in the sense of the first time you receive Christ, but repent in the sense that sometimes we need to turn away from stuff, right? When you share the gospel with someone, you, you often describe repentance as doing a 180 on the road of life. Metanoia, a Greek word, change your mind, change your heart, change your actions. Well, as Christians, oftentimes, and you may have been there Recently, you know, you bow your knee to pray and you all of a sudden go through a list of things that you need to repent of. Can I get a witness? Oh, Lord, I should be doing this, but this week I failed. I should be doing this. I need to amend this. I need to change this. Look, if, if you go through that in prayer, join the club because we all do. But it's, it's a good thing because you, you make adjustments uh, along the way as a Christian. He says, repent. If therefore you will not wake up, does that sound like it's up to them? It does to me. You're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm just going to say this to you, and I'll say this for our friends that you know, believe that, um, our hyper-Calvinist friends that believe that God does you know, basically everything. He, you, know, you, can't, you can't repent and believe unless he first causes you to be born again. That's extreme Calvinism. Well, I don't believe that God repents for you, and I don't believe that God believes for you. I believe if he actually asks you to repent, he's actually asking you to turn around. And if you refuse to wake up, and even as a Christian, let's face it, sometimes God's smacked us over the head, and he's, he said something like this, you need to wake up in this area of your life. And if we say no, and we roll over with our little blankie, no, nah. Not going to listen to the alarm. Not going to hear that. Not going to do it. Well, then there's going to be consequences. Notice this. If therefore you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. When a thief comes to a home, he is uninvited and unwelcomed. Think about it. When a thief breaks in somewhere, he is uninvited and unwelcomed. And Jesus Christ is saying to the church at Sardis, if you won't repent, I'm going to show up and I know I'm uninvited and apparently I'm unwelcomed. But I'm going to come at an hour when you do not expect it. Now, some of you are thinking of this and you're thinking, man, this is, this is end times language. This is the stuff that Jesus said, I'll come at an hour when you know not. Be watchful, be vigilant. You know not the day or the hour. Well, turn over to 1 Thessalonians for a second. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, outside of the book of Revelation in the New Testament, has some of the uh, most in-depth teaching about the day of the Lord and the end time. So 1 Thessalonians, look at chapter 5. This comes on the heels of teaching about the rapture, which everybody agrees it's about the rapture of the church. Uh, the end of chapter 4 talks about we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now remember, there's no chapter breaks in the original letter and it moves into chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Now, 
As to the times and the epochs or seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like what? A thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you, uh, by contrast to they, the they in verse three, I think is unbelievers or professing Christians. The you is the true believer. You, brethren, are not in darkness that the day, the context is the day of the Lord from verse two, should overtake you, how? Like a thief. The day of the Lord is not going to overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Keep reading. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and be sober. For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. The the wrath of God does not belong to the church, but for obtaining what? Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, that is living or we've passed on, we may live together with him. Now, uh, if you turn to Ephesians, which is a little further back, Ephesians chapter 5, take a look at what some believe either is an Easter hymn or a baptismal hymn. Ephesians 5, look at verse uh, 8. Ephesians 5, 8 says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 5, uh, 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things... Uh, become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, what's your Bible say? Uh, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as wise, uh, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Turn back to Revelation 3. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, 
and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, the, the wrath of God does not belong to the church, but for obtaining what? Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, that is living or we've passed on, we may live together with him. Now, uh, if you turn to Ephesians, which is a little further back, Ephesians chapter 5, take a look at what some believe either is an Easter hymn or a baptismal hymn. Ephesians 5, look at verse uh, 8. Ephesians 5, 8 says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 5, uh, 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things uh, become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, what's your Bible say? Uh, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as wise, uh, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Turn back to Revelation 3. The exhortation to wake up could be directed toward a dying church with genuine Christians in it. It could be directed towards people who are just playing church. But there's a warning here. Is the warning a warning about the second coming or is it a coming of Christ back in the first century as it applies directly to Sardis? I'd say it could mean both. It is going to have a last day's application. Here's why. Some people who have claimed to be Christians are going to face a time that's called a time of what? Great what? Tribulation. Now, whatever the timing of the rapture is, we know that the world right now is in some pretty good chaos and tribulation. The world, in many ways, is already tribulating, if I could put it that way, right? As a Southern preacher might say it. The world's already tribulating. Well, here's the deal, folks. Whatever the timing of the rapture may be, whether it's pre, mid, pre-wrath, post, the, the Christian community in the world, and really in every generation, has had its share of trouble or tribulation. And there are some people who have been, uh, let's say, playing church, that when the second coming happens, you know, there are people who put off a true commitment to Christ and they say, well, when I think things are really going to hell in a handbasket, that's when I'll get serious with Christ. But how do you know that at that time you'll be able to get serious if you continue to harden your heart to God? How do you know that you might just 
perish before then, or, or you might buy into the Antichrist lie. If you don't have spiritual discernment, you don't have the Holy Spirit. How do you know? If you can't live for Christ now when things are relatively easy in America, come on. How are you going to live for Christ when things are very difficult? There are people who they'll leave a Bible tract on their desk at work, but they, they don't want to get saved because they will say, well, I, I want to live it up a little bit first, right? Then maybe I'll become a Christian. It's not that they're saying they don't believe in God. They're just saying, I'm going to put it off. And to put it off, obviously, is a mistake. Jesus says, you won't know what hour I'm going to come upon you. That could be Sardis having to deal directly with the Lord's discipline. It could be that when they die unexpectedly, or it could be uh, germane to the second coming as well. Look at verse 4 of Revelation 3. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not what? They've not soiled their garments. Now, one of the things that was happening in Sardis is that the wool industry was very famous there. And so when you hear of soiled garments, it, it, the Greek word here is that which pollutes, that which stains. The book of James says, this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Remember, the church at Sardis is living in an area where there is so much depravity. There's the temple of Artemis. There's the imperial cult to the Roman emperor. So much temptation. And if you look at verse 4, Jesus says there are just a few people in Sardis who are not soiled. Man, this world can soil you. I mean, there is so much trash and garbage in this world. When Jesus addressed the religious Pharisees, he said, you know, you look good on the outside. You're like a whitewashed sepulcher. You wash the outside of the cup and dish, but inside, I know what you're like. You're full of dead men's bones and all manner of corruption. You're soiled on the inside. You look good on the outside. To Sardis, he says, you have a name. You, you, maybe you even have a little church building there, but there are only a few, look at verse four, who have not been soiled. They have not soiled their garments. Wow. I mean, we, we, we look at passages in the scripture and the, the disciples said, Lord, how many are going to be saved? Many or few? And Jesus said, there are many chosen, but, but there are few that seem to enter. Jesus said, the, the gate is narrow and the, the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few that find it. Now, I do believe that many, many people are going to be there on that day because of the grace of God. But the way is narrow in this sense. Jesus is the only way. If you're in Sardis and you won't confess Jesus, then you don't have the one who saves. So that's how the way is narrow. Don't think of works righteousness when we say these things. Think of the fact that Jesus is the way. And if you will confess me, Jesus says, before men, I won't confess you before my Father who's in heaven. And that seems to be the root of the issue. There are only a few who haven't sold their garments. Look at verse 4. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. I think the few that hadn't sold their garments and the fact that they will walk in white. See, see the, the idea of white there? When a bride wears a white wedding dress, when we see white uh, in other passages that we're going to get to in the book of Revelation, those who have washed their, 
garments and the blood of the lamb and they, they wear white. White is a symbol of, very important, justification. See, we have all kinds of stains and blemishes. I've got my bucket loads of them as that I picked up along the way. But Jesus Christ has made me white as snow in his sight. Even though my sins be as scarlet, Isaiah 1, I think it's verse 18, I will make them white as snow. Before God, I don't have any stains or blemishes. I have the righteousness of who? Jesus Christ credited to my account by faith. I am clean before the Father, unaccusable by the devil. No charge against me will stick because when Christ, when God sees me, God the Father sees me, he sees me through the perfection of his Son and all God's people said, thank you, Lord. They will walk with me in white. Don't, don't think that this is about your, your good works. Now, your good works testify to a real faith and there's a place for that. But the worthiness and the overcomers are those who exercise faith in Jesus Christ. But it's about to get prickly. Everybody ready? Tighten your seatbelt a little bit. Here we go. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments. And I, says Jesus, will not erase his name from the book of life. And all God's people say, what does that mean? Does God have an eraser? Now, there are some people, and remember the book of life, you know, Jesus said, don't don't, uh, rejoice that the spirits are subject to you in my name. Rejoice in Luke 10 that your names are recorded in heaven. Those whose names were not written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire when we get to Revelation 20. Don't want that happening. Is my name in the book? Oh, oh, this is like, the most important thing. Because if you ain't in the book of life, the only other thing I can think of is a book of death. One time I was talking to my sister on the phone. She said, what are you doing, Michael? And I said, I'm having a bowl of life cereal. She said, better than a bowl of death. Amen, sister. Cinnamon life. Huh? Now, There are some scholars that believe that this is the image that somewhere up in the heavens, God has a book of life with every name of every human who's ever existed. It's all there. And Christ's death is sufficient. He's the propitiation not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2. So here's what they say. They say, but that atonement on the cross only becomes effectual or only becomes good if one receives Christ. So every name is written there, all people, all time. But if you don't receive the the cross and the shed blood of the lamb, here's what happens. That's an eraser, by the way, for those of you who are listening to the audio. And you get erased out of the book. Well, that is an interesting place to pause in Revelation 3.5 because this is really no laughing matter. There are some scholars that believe 
that your name could be erased out of the book of life. And there are others that see Revelation 3, 5 as a promise that your name will not be erased out of the book. But there's another piece of the historical data that we need to see that may be the backdrop of Revelation 3, 5 and the promise of Jesus. But you're going to have to tune in next time to Walk in Truth to hear more about that. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and guess what? Walk in Truth has joined the podcast world. Yep, you can now listen to us whenever you want by following Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Just search for Walk in Truth and click follow or subscribe or both. Hey, podcast is cool, but if you would like some midweek fellowship, you'd like to connect with some of the people of God, myself, well, we have a Wednesday night service at our church in the city of Corona, and it's Living Truth Christian Fellowship, and I would love to see you there. Now, service on Wednesday night is at 7 p.m., and the address is 1009 Arsenal Way. It's Living Truth Christian Fellowship at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Now, if you'd like to get information about the church, the activities, the events, Bible studies, all that's going on, download our app. Again, search for Living Truth in your app store. Now, make sure you listen tomorrow as we conclude the teaching about the Church of Sardis and what it means to be a dead church. And again, how we can be made alive, how we can wake up and become effective again. Until then, may God richly bless you. Remember, you can listen to today's program and previous ones whenever you want on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.